Hello, chefs. You're listening to Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, I'm going to be your chef consultant. Stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So before we get started, let me give you a brief update on things that I've been up to. I think first and foremost, I should tell you, I spent the whole fucking day editing. I just wrapped up the Bad Sue Good Chef book. Um, it was a lot of work. I spent a lot of time editing. I proofread it. I read it. I read it again. I put it through an editor and it's done. And most likely I'll, I'll, I'll publish it uh, mid next week by Friday. It'll be out. If you follow me on Instagram, I'll, I'll announce the day that it's live on Amazon, that you go get the paperback. Most likely I'll put an ebook on Gumroad available for downloads. The reason I do it on Gumroad is because I think the quality is better um, than an ebook on Amazon, but I will also do an ebook on Amazon. Then we'll immediately get into the production of the audiobook. Um, but the premise in the book, for those of you that have been following along, it's a conversation between two chefs. It is fiction. Um, my first try at fiction, I don't know if it's good. Uh, I like it. Anyway, I think it's, um, it was inspired by a lot of the Q and A's that I do on Sundays. So if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I do a cigar Sunday Q and A. It's the opportunity that you all have to interact with me. I used to do a Q and A on the podcast, but it's just easier for me to do them weekly. Um, I get, I get to smoke my cigar, have a whiskey, chill, answer questions, engage with you all. But that was really the inspiration behind the book was. Uh, these Q and A's, I notice a lot of the same questions come up and it's an opportunity for me to address them, you know, when I'm sitting down longer format and I'm actually thinking about my answers and it's not, uh, uh, whiskey influenced, I should say. But anyway, this is the fifth book in the chef's PSA series. It's very different from all of them. It's, it's unique. It's going to stand on its own and it's a conversation format. So if you like that style, I'll think you'll like this book a lot. I know the few people that I've given it to, to proofread and to get feedback from, they really enjoy it. So I'm hoping that you all enjoy it. There's a lot of good information there in terms of leadership and a lot of questions that people have when they're new into a sous chef position. Some other things that I'm up to is I will be doing a guest chef dinner in Dallas pretty soon with some great chefs. Part of the Texas Food and Wine Alliance. More to come, but uh, we'll be cooking over at Jose with Anastasia Quinones. Um, she's a James Beard nominated chef. She's fantastic, um, good friend. She makes great food. And I, I think the other day, her and I were talking. I said, "Look, I'm retired. I'm helping organize the dinner." 
I said, I'm retired, but if you need an extra chef, I'll come out of retirement for you. She's like, you'll come out of retirement for me? I said, yeah, I'll come out of retirement for you. I think she was being sarcastic. But anyway, I'm coming out of retirement so far. One day only, I'm going to go cook with her and some other chefs. Um, I think it'll be fun. So if you're going to be in Dallas in the area, you should go to that dinner and support Texas Food and Wine Alliance. It's part of the wine and dine series that they're doing. Maybe I'll organize a meet and greet afterwards. Or maybe we could have a cigar night in Dallas. So anyway, that's coming up in June. Stay tuned for more information. The other thing, a little teaser. I'm working on something behind the scenes. You know, one of my favorite chef podcasts is the Susio podcast, Susio Talk, um, David Susio. I enjoy listening to that podcast. And, you know, we've, we've gotten to know each other over the course of time. We talk a lot on the phone. And we've wanted to do a collaboration for some time, but we're just never at the same city at the same time where we could just sit down. We want to do it face-to-face -face instead of over Zoom. And so we're working on something. I can't tell you what we're working on, but I think it's going to be fun because a lot of people message me and say, you need to listen to the Susio podcast. I'm like, I already listened to the Susio podcast. I'm a fan. People tell him the same thing. So we're going to have uh, a collab. We're working on something. Maybe it'll be like that Ute and Nas concert where they went on the New York State of Mind tour. Maybe we'll do like a Susio Chef's PSA tour. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see where that goes, but more to come. Keep an eye out for that. Go listen to Susio talk. Also, more to come. But let's talk about chef consulting. So people may or may not know this, but I often go to places and get hired as a chef consultant. And the, you know, honestly, the great thing about being a consultant is you go in and you fix the problems. A lot of the consulting work that I do and a lot of the consulting work that chefs do, um, sometimes it's very specific to the needs of the people that are hiring you. They might want you to go in and just say, hey, we have sanitation issues, come in here and fix it, write a HACCP plan, get us get us straight. Other times it's like, hey, our finances are out of control. We don't know where to, we don't know where to look. Food cost is crazy. We're not making any money. Money's walking out the door. How do we fix it? Other times it's just like a food issue. Like our menu's screwed up. We need to increase quality food. Sometimes it's just, can you write the menu for us? Or can you create recipes for us? Other times it's like, can you come in and be a mentor for the chef? And you know, I hate to say hold hands, but just kind of hold hands. Uh, get them up to speed, put some training wheels on and and get them on the right path. And other times it's like, we don't have a chef. We don't know what we're doing. Fix it. Do what you will. I, I, I truly do enjoy the consulting work. And I might be giving away some of my consulting secrets today, but this is like a free chef consultation for anyone that's listening. Um, this would be what I would do when I go into a place. So we talked about a, a couple of different scenarios, but let's, let me, let me go through probably the most common ones that I go through. The most common one that I go through, it, it's probably two things is fix the food or fix the finances. Usually those are the big two, because that's really what people need to keep the restaurant open and sustainable. It's like the food isn't where it needs to be, or we're not making money like we should. Now, if we're, if we're looking at it from a money standpoint, it's usually two things. It's, it's usually either a sales problem or it's a cost problem. It's sometimes easier to fix a cost problem than a sales problem because there might be a whole lot of reasons. You know, maybe if you got a bad review, maybe you're in a bad location and you can't fix that quite as easily. But a cost problem, you could go in and you can look at the menu and then you can start making adjustments to the menu to correct some of those food cost issues. Now, I should say it's not always a food cost issue. Sometimes it's a price issue. So if the food cost is too high, Everyone automatically assumes the first thing we need to do is 
cut costs and lower the food costs. That's not always the case. You could also lower food costs by raising prices. And sometimes people price themselves too low because they think that cheap is good. I'm not a subscriber to cheap is good. I think that you should always be at the top of the market in whatever market that you're in. So top of the market, if you're in the luxury market, top of the market, if you're in the casual market, if you're in fast casual market, I also think the same thing. You should be top of the market, right? Everyone else will start to raise their prices to get closer to you. Um, Otherwise it's a race to the bottom and that's never a good thing either. So the two things that you could look at is one, you could look at your food cost or two, you could look at your sales price. So the first thing I do when I go in is I analyze menus and I analyze the competitive set. So competitive set are other restaurants that you're competing against that are similar in style. And that could be people in your neighborhood or that could be people, uh, you know, again, I'll use this as an example. If you're going into a hotel and you were analyzing the competitive set, it might be other hotels that are in that same market of the same size, or it might be hotels of that size in another market that's, uh, if you're in a secondary market, it's a secondary market or a primary market and so on. And what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to analyze the menu compared to them. So simple things like you create a spreadsheet, um, you look at the top moving items and you look and you see, okay, they sell their coffee for this. We sell our coffee for that. And you say, where do we want to be in the market? Sometimes there's a lot of pushback because like I said, people are reluctant to be top of the market. I always encourage them. You want to be top of the market. If you are trying to be the best, right? People pay for the best. Now, if you're not going to back up what you're doing, then maybe you don't want to be top of the market, but that's a whole other conversation. And we'll talk about that when we get into the food quality part. After you've done menu analysis and you've looked at the competitive set, you want to look at where there's opportunities. And there's, there's a tool called menu engineering. And basically what this is, is it takes the data that you give it. So um, the menu item, the cost of the menu item, the food cost percent of the menu item, and how much money that menu item brings to the bottom line and how many of it you're selling. So that way it'll tell you, hey, this menu item is really doing the majority of the lifting for the other menu item. And this menu item, even though it's selling a lot, it's not very profitable. And this menu item over here doesn't sell at all and it costs you a lot of money you should take it off the menu something they would call a dog right so when you look at your menu matrix through a menu engineering tool you want to look at items that are dogs you want to get rid of them and you want to look at items that are doing really really well like your workhorses and how do you enhance them and then you might want to look at items that are very popular but not very profitable and think how can you make them more profitable now, I'm not going to teach you how to do that on a podcast right now because that does require some some skills. Maybe you could download a program or you might need to build it on Excel. But I'm sure you could find it out there. Maybe I'll create one for you guys if you guys don't have one, if I have time. Maybe. I don't want to commit to that. But anyway, once you have your menu engineering tool, then you can figure out where you need to make either you either need to raise the price or you need to lower the food cost. That's one approach. Another very simple approach is if you're looking at food cost alone is you could look at, if you want to make an impact, this is what I'll say. You need to fish where the fish are. The old expression of you don't climb a tree to look for fish. If you've ever heard that expression, right? You wouldn't climb a tree to go look for a fish. Um, And we do that a lot of times. Like we try and find the problem where there is no problems to be found. So if you're looking for a cost problem, where you would look is you would say, what are our most sold items? That's where the problem is. Where are the least sold items? 
that's where the problem is because the items that are not moving, like, let's just use this as an example. What's the most expensive thing in your kitchen? It's the thing that is in the trash because that's 100% food cost waste. If that makes sense, if you're following me here with the logic. So another way to do it is you would look at your top 10, 10 items that you, that you purchase. So, uh, you could run what's called a descending report from a lot of vendors and it'll tell you, okay, these are the top 10 things that you spend your money on, right? So your biggest spend, maybe it's bacon, maybe it's your proteins. Most likely it's going to be proteins and dairy, seafood, things like that, right? That's what costs the most amount of money. And then you're going to say, okay, if you want to save money, you're going to save dollars in your top spend items. You're not going to save dollars in your low spend items. So for example, if you spend $10,000 a month on beef on a specific steak, well, if you shave one ounce, you're going to save a lot of money on that beef. Or if you switch uh, vendors and you find a, a lower price beef, you're going to save a lot of money. But let's just say you're spending like 80 bucks a month on salt. And I've seen this before. Like, well, if we switch salt brands, we'll save money because this salt is cheaper. It's like, yeah, but you're not spending any money on salt. That's the, that's the point that I'm trying to make is don't climb a tree looking for a fish. Like you're looking in the wrong spot. Fish where the fish are. So if you want to make an improvement in your cost side, you want to look at the items that are costing you the most amount of money. So look at that descending report, look at that menu engineering tool and look at the grid and see where you can make the biggest impact, right? Um, focus on your top 10 items, right? Now the same sort of principle applies to food quality as well. Now, maybe it's not 10 items. Again, I have no idea how large the menu is that I may be consulted, but if you go into a place and they're like, hey, we need to fix the food quality. If you ran a report through their point of sale system and you looked at what are your most popular items and you say, we sell these five items, right? Well, then those five items are driving the majority of the comments that you're getting for feedback. That Those five items are driving the majority of the complaints that you're getting, right? So you would look at that and then you fix those five, right? If you went into a restaurant and you said, hey, you're selling 100 burgers a day and you're only selling 10 of everything else, if you just make a better burger, you're going to improve the restaurant. That's it. Like, just, just focus on that. The problem that we get when we go into consulting is we think that there's like this magic answer and that you got to look somewhere else. It's like, no, you just got to look at the top performing things and that's where you're going to have your biggest impact. If you want to make the biggest impact right away, you look at the things that either where your greatest dollar spend is or the items that are selling the most are driving the, the feedback, right? Negative or positive. That's where you want to look is, like I said, fish where the fish are. I hope you guys are following my train of thought because I think I lost my own train of thought here for a sec. Now, the other thing that happens when you go into a place and you work as a consultant, sometimes you're going in and you're, you're helping them like shift the kitchen culture, or like I said, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of showing the chef, Hey, this is the way it is. And a lot, I know, I know this from experience, a lot of places where I go in and they'll say, Hey, we need you to consult. You know, we're having problems with the chef. A lot of the problems that I have and chefs, I know you're listening, right? Only chefs and cooks were really listening to the show. A lot of the things that owners tell me or general managers or whatever, whoever the chef's bosses. Um, that happens to hire me, though, sometimes they just say, my chef doesn't get it. Can you help them get it? And when I go and I look, it's like, what is it that they don't get? The number one thing that I see that they don't get is they're trying to cook food that is not on the concept. So I'll give you an example. Um, 
let's just say they have a casual restaurant and maybe it's a mom and pop spot and they just want to do like neighborhood Italian food. And they hire some young up and coming chef with a big ego and they want to do their food, molecular gastronomy, and they got like spaghetti noodles uh, made uh, with with hydrocolloids and it's coming out of a gut. It's like a noodle made out of gel. And it's like, well, that, that and it's a Parmesan foam and they've watched a little too much Massimo Batura. And they're trying to do that in a neighborhood restaurant instead of just doing the classics that they want. Normally that's the number one problem I have is like, like cooks that are punching above their weight when they shouldn't be. They're normally not making food on the level of the restaurant. And when you do that, let me tell you what it looks like. When you're punching above your weight and you're trying to make something that doesn't fit the concept, it makes the restaurant worse, actually, because the people that are coming in, they're seeing like this local neighborhood restaurant. And then they come in. It's like, I was just looking for a you know, chicken parm and, and you got me like this, <laughs> you know, this, this Parmesan air dish with uh, just the edge of the lasagna. Anyway, you, you get my point. And sometimes it, the food just doesn't make sense for what they're doing. And the owners are like, hey. You know, the chef that we got, they're very creative. They're they're very energetic and they want to set the world on fire, but it's just not what the neighborhood wants. That's normally the that's normally the number one thing um, that I get from consultants when it comes to, hey, we want you to talk to our chef. It's like, that. that's it. Now, I'll talk about this just briefly because if it's not that the chef is trying too hard and making food that's not on concept, it's usually that the concept is maybe above their skill level, but they really like the chef. So a lot of times you'll see they really like this person. They've been there forever. The chef quits. And then it's, if you've worked in a restaurant, you know how the easiest way to get promoted is like the chef walks off the job. It's like, hey, you're left. You're, you're the new chef. You're the new sous chef, right? You're the last person here. Um, what ends up happening in that situation is maybe this person has been promoted into a position and now they have to do things that they're not used to doing. And that thing that usually throws them off is now they have to create and they have to create food to the concept that they, they know how to execute, but they don't know how to create it. Right. And they don't know where to look. And a lot of the times that you go in, it's like, Hey, I just need to teach you again. I'm using the Italian concept example. I just need to teach you like Italian food, like quit thinking about all this other shit that you need to learn. You don't need to learn about French food. You don't need to learn about the latest gimmicks and plating. You don't need to learn about foraging. Like right now, you just need to learn the basics of Italian food. And a lot of times it's like, it's like you just got to go to the chef and like, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen this Gordon Ramsay thing where he puts like bread on their ears and it's an idiot sandwich. Like, um, I'm not saying that they're idiots, but what I am saying is like, they need to turn down the noise. Like they need to, they're, they're focusing on all these other things. Like, hey, you just need to focus on this concept, this type of food. Quit worrying about all that other shit. Quit worrying that you don't know this or you don't know that. That is honestly one of the best ways to keep your job. Because normally what ends up happening is that chef is stubborn. And then like, then you have to make the recommendation to the owner. Like you might need to part ways with this person. They just don't get it. Anyway, that is my free consulting advice for today. So if you could take anything away from it, it's this, like, let's summarize it and make it really short and concise. Number one, if you're going to fix the cost, you need to find out where you're going to have the biggest impact. Look at your top items that are sold or look at the top items where you're spending. That's how you're going to fix cost issues. If it's a sales issue, same thing. Look at the items that are selling and maybe you need to adjust the price and you need to do a market analysis. 
If it's a quality issue, look at your bottom selling items and look at your top selling items. That's where you need to fix. If you're the chef and they're bringing someone like me in to come evaluate you, more than likely it's one or two reasons. You're either trying to cook food that is not on concept or you don't understand the concept and you're thinking about everything else but the concept. Simplify, focus on what it is that you're supposed to do and do that food and do it extremely well. Don't let your ego get involved and think that you got to set the world on fire in this neighborhood restaurant. Know your audience and cook for them. That's a very fast way to find yourself out of a job. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these people that are hiring consultants, it's normally because there's a problem. And most likely, if they don't turn it around quickly, they're losing money and they may lose their business. Anyway, a free consultation. I should charge you for this podcast. I'm not going to charge you. But what you could do is you could support me by making sure you leave five stars on the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, because I forget now I'm on video or Spotify, subscribe. Leave the thumbs up or whatever they say on YouTube. Go to chefspsa.com. Go get the books. Be on the lookout for the new book that's about to come out. Bad Sue, Good Chef. Big things with Chef's PSA meets Susio Talk. Go get the books. Go get the merch. We'll see you next week. Hit the porno music. Music.